fights our battles for us. And so, Lord, we stand firm on the, the promises that you make towards us as your covenant people. So thank you for you, Lord. We pray this in the name of our Saviour, Jesus. Amen. We're now going to read God's word. Is Annette here? Yeah. So our reading comes from Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Not up there. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. You'll have to find it in your pew Bible. I expected it to be up there. So I'll give you a moment to find that. <clears throat> Commencing at the first verse. After this... The Moabites and Amorites with some of the Munites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazadon, Tamar, that is Engedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now here are the men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Matania a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. 
tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jairul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohatites and the Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendour of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love and yours forever. So we are in a series of sermons uh, each week looking at one of the promises of God. And so we're going to have a look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and look at this promise. I'm just going to ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we need your help because uh, unless uh, you're the one that lights the fire, uh, unless you're the one that uh, yeah, turns the, um, the engine, Lord, unless you're the one that empowers Lord, uh, nothing happens, but you, are God, are God over all. And so we're asking, Lord, that through this word and by your spirit, you would um, work in our hearts for good, Lord, for light and life, even this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we come across this uh, king, and his name is Jehoshaphat. Um, there's been many bad kings, you know, in the history of uh, Israel. Um, there are kings that have their hearts that actually turn away from God and their hearts go chasing other, after other idols and after other gods. Evil kings, really, wicked kings. But Jehoshaphat is not one of them. Jehoshaphat uh, had his heart uh, that actually loved God. It says, for example, in 2 Chronicles 17, it says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David. Uh, in verse 4 it says, and he sought God of his father and followed his commandments. And so here is a, a king, uh, a king of Israel that loved God. You might have thought then that if he loves God, that things will go easy for him. They'll go well um, for Jehoshaphat um, because his eyes are on God. But in fact, something terrible happens. The Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Mennonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom and the other side of the Dead Sea and they're already on their way. Why? 
why when a king has got his heart so so set on God, so deeply desiring to do what God wants, um, why would God bring something so terrible as this on the people? When something bad happens in your life, um, are you inclined to say, but Lord, I'm following, I'm following you. Why would you do this? Why would you do this? It is pretty bad. I think it's easy for us to think here in our safe um, place in Wagga and in our safe church, not to really have this thinking how bad this was. A vast army coming to a small nation. Um, Threat of slaughter. uh, Threat of families, children being killed. Threat of annihilation and humiliation. It says in verse 3 that um, Jehoshaphat was afraid. He was alarmed. And he resolved in his heart that he would inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Do you know when something really, really bad comes your way, um, or even something not so bad, there's two options that we've got. I've got them as well, and you've got them. There's two options we've got. We can um, say, okay, this fear is totally gripping my heart, but you take matters into your own hands, and you make plans, and you make strategies, and you're going to address this thing. Or you can look to the Lord. Um, You can say, just like a little kid looking to their father, you can look um, to the Lord. And that's what Jehoshaphat does. He resolved in his heart that he was going to look to the Lord. He was going to seek the Lord. And it wasn't even a private thing in his heart. He actually made it very public. So for the whole nation, he proclaimed a fast. And it says that the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. The whole nation, people from from every town, are now streaming into Jerusalem. (laughs) And then Jehoshaphat prays. And what a prayer he prays. Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly. So here's the king with all these people gathered from Judah and Jerusalem at the temple and in front of the new courtyard. And this is Jehoshaphat's prayer. Number one, he declares something about God. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? (laughs) You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. And then he reminds God of some of his goodness and of his promises. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people of Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And then he reminds God. Do you ever remind God? Of things. <laughs> that's how that's how Jehoshaphat prays. 
and reminds God of his covenant. He says, these people have have built a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and we will cry out to you in distress and you will hear and save us. What he's saying is, we've got this sanctuary, this temple here, and when we built it, by your command, it was, a, it was a, a, an emblem of a covenant that we have with you. We're a covenant people. We've got a relationship with you. We're not just anyone. We are yours. We are yours and we're in covenant with you. Remember, God. Remember that we're yours. And then in his prayer, he voices a complaint. Oh, God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And then, for me, one of the most beautiful um, phrases in this whole passage where Jehoshaphat says, we do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you say, Lord, I actually have no idea. I have no idea. No idea what to do. But my eyes are on you. My eyes are looking to you. When I and you and I... Uh, listen to politicians and they come across all sorts of problems and often they'll very confidently say, this is what to do, this is what is going to happen. But notice the difference with Jehoshaphat. He comes publicly with the whole nation in front of him and he says, I have no idea what to do. But my eyes are on you. He's not... A, a, a charismatic leader saying, come on, let's get it together, guys. Let's do this or that or the other. He is actually turning to God in great dependence and need. And it's deeply moving in for me when I read in verse 13. It says, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. So picture this. All the men of Judah with their wives and children just standing. This vast army amassing and coming their way. Just, just, just a, 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 an unstoppable army. And, and you would have thought that what would be happening at this point would that, be, that, that they would be amassing another army, that they would be getting themselves together, working out their strategies. But something different is happening here. The, 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 the men, the wives, the children just standing. Silently, before the Lord. A picture of vulnerability, a picture of of great need and of great dependence. What's the vast army that threatens your life? What what threatens your, your peace and your safety?
very special moment comes. Here is this everyone standing before the Lord, knowing that this massive threat is on its way. And then we read in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah. What would it be like for the spirit of the Lord to come on you or one of us? But here in this moment of great desperate need, the spirit of the Lord comes on Jehaziel. And he stood, stands up in the assembly and he speaks. And he speaks to the king. And now God is speaking through him. Listen, Jehoshaphat, and all of you who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Here now is a beautiful promise. Terrible threat. Terrible threat. But in the midst of terrible threat of a vast army comes a beautiful promise. This battle is not yours. This battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. It's God's. And he says, tomorrow I want you to go down and march. In other words, you can't go to bed. You can't just climb up under a rock. You can't just go and just take, go in hiding. I want you to go. <laughs> You've you got to march out. Yes, you do. And he says, I want you to stand firm and see the deliverance. Do not be afraid. Don't want fear to grip your heart. I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to go and face them tomorrow and I will be with you. I'll be there. Do you know the most dangerous thing for the people of God is not actually the vast army, but it's the absence of the Lord if the Lord wasn't with them. If the Lord wasn't with them. The reaction of Jehoshaphat, listen to it. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. And some of the Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, in a very loud voice. Hmm. Vast army. Nothing has changed. The vast army is still there. As threatening and as menacing and as powerful as ever they were. 
They're still totally there. They're still on their way. They're coming. But now there has been a promise. A promise of God has come. The Spirit of God has come on Jehaziel. And Jehaziel says, this is God. This battle is not, not going to be yours. It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. You might have thought the reaction might be from some of the people, oh, yeah, right, fat chance of that happening. You might have thought that they'd say, oh, we've got to make some serious prayers. We're not going to listen to any of this nonsense from Jehaziel. But in actual fact, what happens is the king, Jehoshaphat, bows down publicly and the whole nation falls down. Because they know that God has just spoken. Not only bow down in great humility, but others rise up in great praise. The Levites, in a loud voice. Even though nothing has changed. The vast army still is there in all its ferocity. Early in the morning, something crazy happens. They left for the desert of Tekoa. I mean, they left. They they started to obey God. (laughs) They didn't know what they were going to do when they get there. They had no idea. This vast army was on their way. They had no idea of how this was going to play out. And on their way, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out, listen, at the head of the army. When you're going out to battle, you put the swords and spears and javelins and all your weapons out the head. But here Jehoshaphat puts the choir, puts the singers. And what are they doing? They're singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Do you know, we know the end of the story, but they didn't know the end of the story. They, they had no idea what the end of the story. They, they knew God had promised them and so they were marching out in faith. But they had to trust God in a very visceral, very real way. This wasn't just a social club for them. This was them trusting the living God for their very lives. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes amongst the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were inviting Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. The commentators are saying that either these ambushes that God set were angels or that there were other people but one way or another the, those different armies that were going out against the people of Israel turned on each other and destroyed each other they, they, they just annihilated each other and when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looks towards the vast army they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground and no one had escaped there was so much plunder that it took three days to collect Now, each one of us here this morning have difficulties that face us 
threats to our peace and our joy. And I want to look just very briefly at some lessons that we can learn from 2 Chronicles 20. This is lesson number one. Our heart in following God does not prevent a vast army coming against us. You might think, you might think, I've been following you, God. Why has this bad thing happened? Why is something difficult happening to Haven't I? Why are you punishing me? But just, just because you've got a heart to follow God does not mean that something bad will not happen to you. Read the New Testament. Read Jesus' life. Read the Apostles' life. Read that doesn't... Just because you're following God does not mean that a vast army will not rise against you. When we even think of the church in Australia and a church across the world, we're little and secularism is on the rise in all sorts of ways. You see it. You see it on the TV. You see it on the streets. You see it at the university. You see it at school. You see it everywhere. And you say, this is a vast army and we are too small and we are going to be crushed. But don't think like that just because... Just because um, you are a follower of Christ and the church is true doesn't mean that there will not be a vast army that we have to face. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks to Christians and he says, talking about the trials they have to face, and this is what he says, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now let me just stop there just for a minute and just make a quick point. Peter is saying trials have come so that. In other words, God has appointed some of these trials. They've come so that. Your faith, which is greater worth than gold. Now, gold is refined by fire. When you put fire on gold, it it purifies it. The, The dross and everything is taken off and it becomes beautiful. And fire relates to gold in the same way that trials relate to your faith. It makes it beautiful. (laughs) These trials have come for a reason, so that your faith will be pure and like gold. So just don't think that just because you are following... Reword that. Don't think that because you are following God that you'll be, there'll be no trials because that's not what the Bible teaches. Number two, our response when trials come is to look to God. Je- Jehoshaphat resolved in his heart to look to the Lord. He didn't say, oh, let me come up with a human strategy. Let me just through my own smarts work this out. He could have. But, in other, but instead, 
he had this living dependence on God. And if and we as believers, I tell you, we need to have as a church and as individuals a living dependence on the living God. If not, we the church becomes a social club. No, no. We are to have a living dependence on a living God. Number three, prayer is indispensable. <laughs> The prayer declaring the greatness of God. Do you notice how honest Jehoshaphat's prayer was? He lays it all out. He said, Lord, this vast army is coming against us. Do you notice how he reminds God of the covenant and reminding the people of the covenant of the past? He says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you, O God. He said, I'm not finding my hope in this world. My, my ultimate hope is actually not in this world. My eyes are on you. Number four, silence and vulnerability before God is good. It's good. Just these men and these women and these children just standing before the Lord. Just standing. And it's in that silence that the Spirit of the Lord comes on Jehaziel. And that's point number five. The Spirit of the Lord is precious and powerful beyond words when the Lord speaks by His Spirit. And He speaks graciously to the people of God. And when that promise comes, it's like a power. It's like a power. When that promise comes... And Jehaziel will say, this battle is not yours, it's the Lord. When that promise comes, it changes everything. Nothing has changed. The army is still there. Nothing has changed. The army is still on its way and as powerful as ever. And yet, everything has changed. I was reading this morning in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. When you hear a promise, in, that, in, in, when, in New Testament terms, the promise that we have is the promise in Christ. Unbelievable. That God would send his son, die a terrible death on a cross for our sins, rise in tremendous power, and it becomes a promise for the people of God to believe. And here a promise comes to the people of God from Jehaziel and saying, I'm fighting your battle. I'm saving you. I'm coming to save you. And when the promise comes and when they believe it, that is the power of God unto salvation for them. It's like salvation. They haven't received salvation in its totality yet, but they've heard the promise and they've believed the promise and they're marching out. And that's point number seven. Obedience is vital. We can't just say, yeah, we, 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 we believe a promise and, and then we go and just do whatever we like and live our lives however we like and totally ignore God and crawl under a rock or go to bed or whatever. We can't do that. Obedience is vital. They went out. They didn't know how God was going to accomplish this or do this, but they, in obedience to God, stepped out. Because they believed the promise. 
many unknowns, but they moved forward in what they did know and that the God had spoken to them. And lastly, point eight, is that God, for the believer, for the believer in Christ, goes actually way beyond what we ask. What do I mean? They did not even ask for this plunder. They, they, they took them three days to collect the plunder. That was not something that they had envisaged or asked for. And God was giving them way beyond what they had asked for. Do you know, God could have not sent this army. Would have been very peaceful for them. They would have just gone, sailed through. I don't know what that would have... In Mark chapter 6, when the disciples are on in the boat and the storm hits, God could have not sent that storm. But in the midst of the storm, it was that God, through Christ, was quietening that storm and he gets glory for himself and the disciples' faith grow. Here, when this vast army arises, God could have not sent that storm to them that vast army to them, but he sends it for their blessing and blessing beyond what they had anticipated because they get plunder. They get blessing. So how are we to interpret that as believers in Christ? Listen to what I read before from 1 Peter chapter 1. These trials have come that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. The blessings, there are people. In eternity we will see their names. We don't know their names who have trusted in God, with great, great trials have come to them, great hardship, great difficulty, but they've continued to trust in God. And, and their blessings, the fullness of their blessings, will not be seen until Jesus Christ is revealed. And it will result, according to 1 Peter, in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed, way above what they ever thought or imagined will be their blessings. Look, you are going through trials. You are going through hardships. But the Lord is intending blessings for you as you look to him and trust in him. And these trials, according to the word of God, will result in praise and glory and honour at the end of time when Jesus Christ is revealed. You don't know. You, you don't know what glory and what praise and honour will come as you trust the Lord in his promise through the trial that you're going through right now. Let me pray. Lord, please, uh, may we be a people that believe the promise. The promise that you are fighting our battles in Christ that you, in you, we are safe. Thank you, Lord, that you are our God. In Jesus' name, amen.